Hello everyone, my name is James and I want to welcome you to the first of three episodes that go over a lot of topics which include marriage, divorce, adultery, fornication, sex outside of marriage, and homosexuality. But in this episode we dig deep on marriage and divorce and all scripture that teaches us how to live in a healthy marriage and what really can come about with divorce. So please sit back, relax, grab your Bible, and I really hope you enjoy this first episode. Well, hey, thank you for tuning in today. Uh, We're covering some serious topics really in the world today. We're going to speak on marriage, divorce, adultery, fornication, homosexuality, um, yep, all of the above, and, and he will even touch on bestiality uh, with that. Um, and it's really important because in today's world, uh, marriage has been reduced to a joke at this point. Uh, it's not taken seriously. And, at the, you know, you basically marry whom or whatever you want, and that's that. Um, but certainly we have to understand that uh, the gift of marriage comes from God in the very beginning, in the book of beginnings in Genesis, um, and it's and it's a very serious uh, action that is taking place. Um, and man's law says, well, you can just marry and get divorced and, you know, it's not a big deal and just bed hop all you want. And we're going to find out that that is not the case. So even though here on earth, when you get married to someone else, that is before God. Uh, and when the, the pastor signs on the marriage license, I mean, it is what it is. You don't even have to go through the ceremony. He could just sign it and mail it out. Right. Um, but that, that same person can undo it. And the Bible talks about we cannot undo what is has been joined together. It is a metaphysical covenant. If you Absolutely. It it's like the best way to describe it is you're being welded together by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit literally in that union. Yeah. And it says, right, what God has joined together, let no man put us under. So I'm going to start out with um, the Genesis here, really. Let's get back in the beginnings. And these are what I also use in my ceremonies when I'm marrying people. And no, I don't do a lot of weddings. It's been mostly for family and, and close friends. Um, but here we go. Genesis well, it's 126 through really 21, and I jump around in verses a little bit just to save some time on there. But in verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God, so God created man in his own image in the image of God created he him male and female created he them. And then we reverse, move to verse 28, and God blessed them and said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And then verse 21, uh, and Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God hath t- uh, taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So we take this from Genesis and we look at number one, um, Adam 
and Eve, right? It's not Adam and Steve. Uh, let's make th- that point. First of all, it's man and woman, and that these two basically leave their parents, they cleave to one another, and they become one flesh. And it's not shameful for them to be naked together. This is that that is their gift to one another is giving themselves to one another. Um, and that's so that's a holy union before God, very purposely made. And, and we see in here, I mean, it's you can't really deviate much from there when, you, when you're reading the scripture. Right. That's the power behind it. And uh, and, and from there, I, I suppose you can get into the, the next topics. But anything you guys want to put in on that? I mean, it, it's for me, it's a be all end all as we see and we read from there how it started. So what would you like to say and comment uh, additionally to that? First of all, I'd like to say that we are reading out of the King James Bible. Um, that is something that, that we believe you should be reading out of. Uh, some other Bibles can construe or leave out verses. So if you may be confused reading a different Bible, I just want to let everybody know that we are reading out of the King James Version of the Bible. Absolutely. And, and definitely. The fact that they become one flesh to me is very important. They're no longer separate. They are one in among themselves in marriage. And, you know, as we continue, we'll obviously be able to deviate off of that and say divorce is very difficult because after you're one flesh, you cannot, you cannot be tear halves. apart. Right. You'd be halves. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. before we get onto that, does anybody have anything on this Genesis, this Genesis here? Not exactly as much as on Genesis, but going back onto the King James just for a second. Um, I know that if you're a brand new Bible reader, King James is going to be very difficult to read at yes. first because it's written in 1611 Old English, very poetic from the Shakespearean and I, era. And I'll only say it's difficult if you want to make it that way. We have people in Africa that are requesting King James Bibles in English, and they're in the middle of the jungle. In and that's English is not their native tongue. They're so trying to learn here, English here in, Amer- yeah. in America. Um, if you have a hard time reading English, it's because you know speak English are pretty good, and you need to uh, spend more time reading at that point. Yeah, but, so, go so ahead. Sorry. S- no problem. So, again, the more you read the King James, the better you're going to understand it. And I can personally vouch for the King James. Yes. I've done all the studies on it and the supposed contradictions. There are no contradictions in the King James Bible. There have been supposed ones, but when you actually go through and read through those contradictions, those people have misread the verses. And if you have any questions about a supposed contradiction in the King James, feel free to message us through oh, our yes. app uh, and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, but let's get back onto the marriage, divorce, and all that kind of fun stuff. Before we move on, does anybody want to, to recap on the Genesis 21 through 28 at all? Well, um, I think the Bible says it well. Um, and that's yeah. that part right there is pretty simple and straightforward. That's the best part about reading Scripture. It's It's very clear. So people, if they think the Bible is not clear about these things, it is absolutely clear. And that's why this 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 whole podcast really is going to get into every bit of Scripture that exists in the Bible for marriage and all these parts. Um, the Bible spends quite a bit of time on, on divorce um, and what that means and the ramifications of divorce as well as adultery and fornication. And the reason being is it's pretty simple. You get married, you stay married, uh, and that's that. And then when you get to uh, thinking you're going to get a divorce, well, the Bible talks about all the damnation that comes from these things. Um, And when you look at Matthew here, uh, they were tempting Jesus and they wanted to, you know, figure out what Jesus would say. And Matthew 19, three through six here, and uh, they say the Pharisees came unto him, tempting him 
and saying unto him, it is, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And for those of you who don't know the Bible, put away means divorce uh, for every cause. And he answered and said to them, have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and the twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. Wherefore, what God hath, God hath joined together, let no man, let not man put asunder. And then uh, figuring out here also, too, in Matthew 19, 9, And I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, shall, and, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her, which has been put away, doth commit adultery. What does that mean, um Except it be for fornication. So, so when we read that part, there is one, one allowance for divorce in the Bible, and that would be the marriage bed being kept unclean. In other words, one has now committed really adultery, whether it be with another married person or committed fornication uh, with someone who isn't a married person. Nonetheless, that marriage bed now is unclean. Cheating. And it's, yeah, it's cheating. And at that point, you have the option to, uh, again, you can make amends. It's not a reason to necessarily run screaming out the door. And it, certain people, everyone is different. Certainly there's, there's forgiveness and different things that have to be involved as a Christian, even if your spouse has done that. But, you know, here, this is your way out if it happens. But you got to know what happens. You can't just assume and make it up for, oh, oh I'm pretty sure this is what happened. And then you're going to go use it as an excuse to get divorced um, because the Bible is very clear that we are we are bound together. So and I just asked that because like you were talking about before, the King James Version is kind of hard to read. Some It gets a little confusing at times. So it says, except it be for fornication. Yeah. That can be, oh, except it be for fornication instead of except it be right. for fornication. Well, well, with that, keep this in mind. You will not find things like, oh, well, my my. Spouse is verbally abusive, or they're really mean, or they don't listen to me, or I don't like them anymore. The bottom line is, is when you're choosing for marriage, it is serious. Unfortunately, people don't take it to be serious. But as we're going to see, you ought to be. Because there's definitely, if you're a Christian, you're out there listening right now, and, and you're divorced, you're going to hear some things today you're not going to like to hear because the churches don't speak of it much anymore because the world is so rampant with divorce. Uh, and really what it leads to. So There's going to be a lot of things, whether you're divorced or whether you're single, whether you're married or whether you're dating somebody that you're not going to like to hear because it's not what we've been taught in this culture, which is quite a shame. Right. This, this culture has, especially in the past 50 years, has greatly skewed things, and we'll definitely get into that a little more. But uh, to his point, there are going to be some things where it was even hard for me, and I'm pretty sure for someone else in this room to read and be like, oh, crap. You know what I mean? Or, oh, man, I I, I can't do this, or that was a sin two years ago. You know, I mean, any of those type of things. It, it is difficult to read, and that's one thing that happens when you become a Christian is that you have to face your sins. You have to face what you're going to do in the future and whether it is righteous or not. So, Right, and going on to that, I think it is crazy that, you know, and, and again, I was part of that, part of this movement that I'm about to talk about is that there's a huge surge in supposed Christians that are all for having sex outside of marriage and that it's not a bad thing. And like I said, when I was younger, I made my mistakes, and that's because I was not taking the Bible seriously. I just I did not look at it as the Word of God. Now I do, and now I know what I did in the past was 
wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it is inexcusable. If you're a Christian out there trying to tell yourself that it's okay to have sex outside of marriage, you're wrong. You need to read your Bible because God is very, very serious about what he says about this. Well, let's also take a look in Mark chapter 10, uh, which does reiterate um, from Matthew as well. But in verse 11, it says, And he saith unto them, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another committeth, committeth adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. So understand very clearly when you divorce, if it's not under the, the reason being for fornication, is if there wasn't an adultery committed within the relationship, that you don't have legal reason before God to divorce. So if you divorce for just because, oh, irreconcilable differences, which is everyone's favorite, <laughs> Everybody, yeah. everyone's favorite thing. We just couldn't get along. He was this way. He was that way. Then Listen, why did you, you chose that person. The, the apple is always the apple. They don't change. You know, that that's, it is what it is. They're the day you met them. They're very similar down the road. There's, there's not a whole first year. You got a feeling of who that person is. Yeah. You got, you, you, if you ignore it and you just get married anyways, it's, it's on you. But committing adultery really is, is the part that comes into here. And we'll, we'll learn why, why that's bad and dangerous on top of that. But so here you divorce someone and, Again, because there's no fornication. And now when you marry someone else, you're committing adultery. And your wife that you divorced is now committing adultery. When she goes to the next person. you guys aren't split. You guys didn't get a divorce. You're still one flesh. I would want to iterate on that. You said that it's the law of people or the law of God. You split between the law of people. But you did not split in terms of the law, law of to God. God. Yeah, that, that's just so. It. You are still one flesh, unless yeah. that that fornication and that that uh, cheating, would you say, had been committed to give you the one reason to divorce? Do you have something to say, Mason? I do. So, in other words, if you do get divorced unlawfully, you know, unlawfully according to the law of God, you should probably just stay abstinent for the yes. rest of your life. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you would have to. You would have to, otherwise, Any, anything you else. You would have to wait for her to sleep with somebody. No, no. If you if you were to just walk away and do that, I don't, I don't even. That would be a dangerous way to go. Say, well, I'm just not going to be around her. I'll wait till she sleeps with someone else. Like again, you'd be putting your wife in a position of committing adultery. And when you cause someone else to sin because of your own ignorance, uh, it's going to fall back on I mean, you but, as well. Because if you walk away, you still put her away. You went away from yeah. her. Oh She's yeah. You away. put her away and, and you're not acceptable. It's not acceptable for you to do. And then so. even in sorry to go on, but even to go on, if you became a bad husband or a bad wife to make that person want to go and sin and cheat, it's like the same thing. You just, you're just in a hole where you can't get out of it. <laughs> and, 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 and the Bible says, you know, a husband is right to treat his wife as Christ treats a church. Um, you know, this is, it, it's, it's held to such a high level of reverence and respect and love. So it's a husband's job to do that and vice versa for the wife or her husband. So any any Christian couple for sure that's living together and that's not going on, they need to check themselves before they wreck themselves for sure. In Matthew 5.31, it reiterates, it says, It hath been said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her, give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you that whosoever does this, right, whosoever shall put away his wife, Saving for the cause of fornication, mean only for fornication, causes her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. Once again, the Bible will reiterate. And and you have to ask yourself, well, how serious 
Is this adultery? It's just one of those sins. Well, you can look back in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, and let's see what it what it says. <laughs> Deuteronomy 22, if a man be found lying with a woman married to a husband, then they shall both of them die, they, both the man and the, that lay with the woman and the woman. And Leviticus reiterates in there in 20, chapter, uh, chapter 20, verse 10, and the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. So That's kind of rough. <laughs> oh, it, 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 it was taken very seriously because bed hopping is not acceptable. I mean, it ruins families, it ruins children, it ruins households, and you put a generational curse on your families, and it's not healthy. And what happens is, then you have children that grow up in this, and their seriousness for marriage is no longer there, and they see, well, my parents got out of it. If I don't like who I'm with, and I can get out of it too. The parent, the children always look to the parents. So unfortunately, you know, there's, there's, yes, there's lots of people that have been divorced and if they were rooted into the word, maybe even before they got together and, and saw, they would understand uh, the seriousness even more so. But I think as Christians over the last many, I would say last couple of decades, marriage hasn't really been talked about much anymore. And it seems like you run into a bazillion Christian divorced people. Well, the family's being killed. The, oh, yeah. <laughs> the visualization of the perfect, the happy family. Right. Keep the yeah the uh, the Brady Bunch stuff well even right. Brady Bunch that was a split household that was a bad example uh, yeah really what who is it that would be a great example of what the uh, June and Ward Cleaver okay right. you know I mean like that sort of household the husband and the wife and he went to work and she took care of the, the husband Adams kid. family oh, there you go there <laughs> <laughs> you rang. One thing to go off of with Deuteronomy 22.22 and Leviticus 20.10 with being put to death and they shall surely die is in 1 Corinthians 6.9 oh, yeah. saying, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor ephemites, nor abusers of themselves with mankind will make it. And that's effeminate. No, no, no. No, I wanted to make a point because oh. the way you way you say that word, it helps bring out what the meaning of it is. Mm. The oh, last really? word being feminate. Yeah. That is a man who takes on the appearance of a woman. Oh. Yeah. That's exactly, that's, that's your transgender. You learn something new every day. That's your transgender right there. Wow, I thought that was... Uh, <laughs> There's yeah. only two genders. <laughs> yeah, male and female. There's no in-betweeners. <laughs> well, and then the same as like time is at the very bottom, you know, the things that can cause, uh, uh, obviously, this type of uh, tension is fornication. In 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth adultery sinneth against his own body. Correct. And and I'm definitely, we're going to re actually revisit those verses again here in a moment, because as we go through and we're pulling this all together, we want to identify, number one, what is adultery? What is fornication? And then what is it going to cause really for you in the end? Um, that's important to understand why we even talk about this. Otherwise, it is what it is. Um, when you look at uh, Deuteronomy 24, 1 through 5, go ahead and read Deut Deuteronomy 24, 1 through 5. Okay, so Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 1 through 5. When a man hath taken a wife and married her, and it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes, because he hath found some uncleanly, uncleanness in her, 
then let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it in her hand and send her out of his house. And when she is departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. And if the latter husband hate her and write her a bill of divorcement and giveth it in her hand and send her out of his house, or if the latter husband die, which took her to be his wife, her former husband, which sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife. After that, she is defiled, for that is abomination before the Lord. And thou shalt not cause the land to sin, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. So once you do divorce, that's final. There's no going back. Right. Well, well, particularly what this is not, it's not saying that. What it's saying is you've divorced a woman, and then now she goes and remarries, and her second husband, if you uh, will, now then basically kicks her to the curb, and, and maybe she repeated the, the same uncleanness to the marriage bed, and now she's kicked to the curb that the first husband is not to, to take her back, right? Because he's already learned his lesson the first time, if you will, uh, from that, and he would be a fool to repeat it, and it's not going to be, nothing good is going to come about that. And, um, and that in verse five, yes. So finishing off on verse five, when a man hath taken a new wife, he shall not go out to war, neither shall he be charged with any business, but he shall be free at home for one year and shall cheer up his wife, which he hath taken. And the reason why I think it was important to have that that piece in there is because I I can tell you, I've had friends who got married and then uh, joined the service and were shipped overseas. And I can tell you it was the end of their marriage. Okay. The reality is, is you don't get together with someone, right? And then just leave them sitting. The two become one flesh. It gets pretty lonely on the that other happened, side. That happens to some of my friends. They've gotten married and they're in the military. And unfortunately, when they get shipped overseas, that, that separation is very difficult. It is. So so what, what Deuteronomy is saying here is, is take care of your wife. Bond with her. Stay close to her. Tend to her. It's important for your marriage, especially in your first year together. Uh, you should be. And that's going to help you avoid things like divorce. Really develop the foundation of your marriage. Abs- absolutely. It's important, guys. Listen, I, you, there's plenty of guys out there who are not the warm, fuzzy, uh, great communicators and all that. Listen, your wife needs your time. She's signing up to marry to be with you for the rest of your life. Be sure to give her all of your minutes, right? She's in control of your your husband minutes, and it should be up to her to allow you to use some of your husband minutes elsewhere, not your call like, oh, I'm going out with my buddies. No. Like, listen, that's going to be the end of your relationship. It's just a matter of time. It's not a matter of if. It's right. a matter of when. And also, women, be patient with your husbands, too, because we are stubborn. <laughs> Very stubborn. <laughs> hey, well, well, yeah, it goes both, on both sides for that, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Romans Romans also reiterates this. And, and the reason why we're covering so heavily on this is there's no excuse. The Bible is so full of marriage and, and, and adultery. It's got so much about it that tells you how important it is to the Lord. For the woman which has, this is Romans 7, 2 through 3. For the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband, so long as he liveth. But if the husband is dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So this is the only other reason, right, that someone could be unbound mm-hmm. is by death. So it's through fornication or by death. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from the law, so that she is no adulteress though she be married to another man. So the Bible even answers these other questions. What happens when this happens? What happens with that? Right. It repeats a lot, but it answers questions in different ways. It, it really does. Each, each one you'll go to answers another part of, of that marriage uh, uh, commitment 
uh, for you so that you can't say, well, can't poke holes in it. (laughs) Yeah, Can't poke holes in it. Absolutely. I think that's a great, great statement. Um, Go ahead, Mason. All right. Hebrews chapter 13, verse four, marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Hmm. So that's powerful. It is. And kind of almost scary. You know, I don't want to admit it, but I do at the same time. And and whoremongers, gentlemen, that's man whore. (laughs) And that goes both sides, right? Uh, The the ladies on the other side, right, uh, can be the same way. And it's important to understand. So when you're out sleeping around, you don't think it's a big deal. Understand that your Bible is telling you otherwise. It's, It's always been there. It's not been concealed. It's not been hidden. Now the world has hidden it from you. And if it's not being covered in your churches or things like that, then your pastor has hidden it from you. But you have no excuse because just as quickly as I can sit down and let me let me again, I always tell people it's super easy today. Uh, you know, the, the Internet's full of trash. But at the same time, if you go to Google and you search divorce and then finish it up with verse, just divorce verse, you will find a ton of verses. Hundreds. On that. <laughs> Fornication verse. You'll find tons of that. OK, the Bible is very, very easy to look up online at this point. And if you have a e-Bible downloaded, you can do searches right there offline anytime you want and pull yeah. those things up. Now, here's some interesting uh, components, too, I found um, in Corinthians. Right. So divorce with an unbeliever. Uh, and this is uh, it's interesting to hear on this topic. And I want people to know because there's plenty of people who have split households. First Corinthians seven, twelve through 13. But to the rest speak I, not the Lord. If any brother hath a wife and believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with them, let him not put her away. So if, if a man marries an unbeliever, you know, don't let him divorce, right? Um, and the woman which hath a husband that believeth not, if she be pleased to dwell with him, let her leave him, not, let her not leave him. Which means she would still have to be okay with living by the rules that you're saying. Exactly. It doesn't change anything. So you're the believer. You're expected to live according to the Bible. And uphold those things. And uphold those things. And it says, for the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband, else your children would be unclean. But now are they holy? But if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. Brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God hath called us to peace. So it appears as though in the situation, the rules are a little bit different if you have an unbeliever in a household that decides they want to leave. If you notice, though, it does not say that the believer can write the divorce for that. It's the unbeliever. If the unbeliever wants to walk away in divorce, that the believer is not bound to that. Like they, they can't go, oh my goodness, you know, I'm now what am I going to do? I'm stuck. This says you're not in bo- under bondage in such cases. Let them depart. Yeah. Okay. And, and when I read that, it was kind of powerful to me when I read that. I'm like, wow, this is something that I've never heard any other pastor even touch on. And again, I would never tell people there's all, you know, there's all kinds of ways out of marriage. You know what I mean? No, um, it, it's pretty strict. And but if one of them's a believer, one of them should know this verse. And be sharing it with whoever is leaving. Just the idea. Yeah. You know what I mean? At least in my case, if I am starting to date, I'm going to, and I realize that they were an unbeliever, I would start asking these questions like, hey, we, we, at least in my case, I can't go back on this. And if, if you're, if you're going to care for me, you would take the thought into consideration. By the way, you know what? And, and it just sparked a great topic and Holy Spirit will get moving on that. How can you marry an unbeliever? What does that say about you as a Christian? That's a good point. What kind of time are you spending in the Lord if you're marrying an unbeliever? 
because your unbeliever is if they're truly an unbeliever you have as much in common they're as not, you would like to they're think. not praying with you they're yeah. not going to church with you they don't see the world the same as you why did you marry them if you're marrying an unbeliever you probably didn't truly share your believe faith yourself with her. or or, yeah. or you probably were never a true believer yourself i mean i'm just saying because the reality is is you would already know like we are way different listen <laughs> religion and politics start wars and wipe out generations of people. Yeah. So how is it that someone who does not believe in what you believe that you would marry them? Yeah. This is the same thing. It's that, a war. It's a it's war. It's going to start a war. And, and it's an internal war. So when you're trying to pray, they could be like, oh, what are you doing? Right? They could be mocking. Especially you. something like spirituality. A absolutely. So I would question to say in the beginning when they got married, whether or not the Christian quote unquote was a true Christian, mm -hmm. um, because they would obviously be able to see for themselves, like this is going to be a difficult path. And I have seen that when I was a kid, by the way, I remember, you know, uh, uh, in Bible class or whatever it was, you know, I remember them saying that, you know, don't marry a non-believer. They made it sound like altogether it was wrong, which it's, it's obviously not. We just discussed this in the Bible, but that it would be difficult it's because difficult, yeah. the unbeliever could wind up pulling you away from God. Okay. Cause that's usually what happens. And that, and that goes into second Corinthians six fourteen. Uh, well, go ahead, read it. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness. And you know why I put that in there? Because that one right there is taken out of context every single time it's used. If you read that verse and you read those chapters, I, I literally, I remember pastors leaning on that in saying, this is a, talking about marriage. And no, it's actually not. It's talk, that particular verse is talking about the people you're surrounded with. Yeah. Don't be unequally yoked with, un, not, not an unbeliever, unbelievers. Especially if you just became a believer. Exactly. How are you going to go back to you, you, where you, you came from? Yeah, if you don't step out of the, the pig pen, mm -hmm. you're always going to smell like pig poo. Okay. Yeah. That's just the way it is. You got to remove yourself from that and be careful. You should be hanging around with more christ-like people than non-christ-like people and if at some point yeah when you get strong in your spirituality you're going to have to put yourselves among the heathen right to help save and help convince them because the doctor doesn't go to healthy people to heal them right he goes to the sick and so you'll have to be ready for that but certainly like you said as a new believer you must retract and, and get yourself into uh into the healthy areas of, of christianity it's hard to keep your mind on that it, it, well, it is. It's it, like you said, it, you're growing. So how, how are you going to get mentored if all your friends that don't believe are right. in your ear, right? At the exactly. end of the day. And, and, and to second that too, keep this in mind. A married person, right? Because we're talking about marriage and everything else. A married person ought to be hanging out with other married couples that share the same values. Mm -hmm. So gentlemen, when you get married, I'm sorry to say, but you're going to have to leave a lot of your single friends out in the distance because they're trying to get into single activities. Meanwhile, you're supposed to be in your married activities and you want a wholesome, healthy relationship with your wife. You should be spending your time with her, not out with your buddies. Um, That's a big problem. And I, and I, I can attest to that myself mm -hmm. when me and my wife were first together, you know, I was a young guy. And again, this was before I actually truly came to the Lord and I was hanging out with, I was hanging out with, a lot of my friends, I was still trying to appease my old life as a single man. And I was trying to get my wife to hang out with my friends with me. And she just wasn't having it. She's like, I didn't come all, I didn't move all the way up from Florida to Ohio to hang out with your friends, Mason. 
I came here to be with, be you. with you. And what a powerful statement. Right. And again, you know, yeah, that, it felt it, real nice. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it really did cause a lot of friction in my relationship. Cause of course my friends did not respect my marriage. They didn't care. They didn't have, they do not have the same idea of marriage as I do. Uh, and again, like my true friends that are still friends with me to this day, because there was a fallout between me and those friends. Uh, they understand what my stance is on marriage and they are very respectable. And that's why I'm still friends with them to this day. The ones that did understand. So, um, I, I can personally attest to, you know, these verses that you need to spend time with your wife. Uh, and it's not about pleasing your friends because your friends, they will drag you down into misery with them yeah, while they're single. Yes. Loves company. Humans will drag everybody else around them into misery just to make themselves feel better. But one thing that I want to point out that Mason does all the time when we're talking on this podcast is that we are versed in Scripture. Isn't that right, Mason? Yeah, we 100%. have done the research. Um, so take it upon yourself to read with us, to open your Bible with us, so that way you can understand that our fruits are of plenty yep. and of the Lord. Yep. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, you know, uh, the Bible will not mislead you. Now, if you're a listener so far, you might, your, your, your butt might be puckering pretty hardcore right now because we've already touched on some things that and we're going to get to some living it and it's going to get tighter. You're going to turn that into diamonds back there. I tell you what, <laughs> um, but like Superman, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. But, uh, also too, I would like to say, you know, when my wife and I, we first got married, we, we knew each other for two weeks and we were engaged. All right. And, and I can tell you because I just knew I knew right away. I met her. I knew right away the moment I met her. And then two weeks later, we're engaged. Six months later, we're married. Uh, I've been married 25 years now. That makes no sense to me. No, no, no sense me. to that, me. That, like, that's, what? Hey, that's it. That's a God. That's a God moment. Two weeks. Yeah. That's two weeks, awesome. man. And, and you know what? I dated a lot before that. And mind you, I got married when I was 18. So you're thinking like, what do you mean you dated a Listen, it, it took me less than two weeks to determine on any girl yeah. whether or not really I'd like them a lot or not, or whether they were worth even talking to beyond that point. So yes, I, I went through a, a slew of, of girls, you know, and, and through high school and stuff where it was like, we date for a couple weeks and we broke up, date for a couple weeks, broke up, you know, just trying to figure out what is it that I like. You're in high school, right? You know, it's not marriage material. Of course, in high school, you think it, anyone you love is like, yeah. it's forever. No, I can <laughs> tell you right now. I was now. saying before, you should know within the first year before you get married to oh, someone yeah. if it's going to work out or not. Yeah, otherwise, you know honestly, who that you're, person you're is. denying yourself, really. You're denying the, the realities otherwise. And definitely, uh, when I met Heather, it was, it, it literally made me look and go, well, any relationship, anybody I dated before this was an absolute joke. And that's how, that's, that's how they say, like when you, when you meet, right, you know, it's real. Like you'll just know. And it's a crappy answer to get, like, you'll just know, Yeah. but no doubt about it. You will. Now, if you're being ignorant of it and you refuse to look, you might overlook that person for you. You really, same as just knowing that God's real. You can be ignorant and overlook that, but you can't explain certain aspects of right. your life and this world. Right. And, and one thing that I will say is, especially in this today's culture, you go on multiple, multiple dates and you talk about stuff that wouldn't matter in terms of becoming married. But at least in my eyes, the more I'm coming to Christ, I realize if I do start to date, because I've been in relationships, I've been in two relationships that have been over two and a half years, I've lived with them, all that kind of stuff. But next time I'm on a date, this, I'm, was, this was before you before I came saved, to Christ. Right. Yes, yes. Um, and obviously, my mind is completely changed now. But if I do start to date, I'm not going to talk about what's my favorite color. Obviously, <laughs> I am. But I'm going to ask them the hard questions because I don't want to waste my time. 
You know, yeah. you know what I mean? So that's why it shortens that time from two years before you get married to a few months. Yes. Yes. Please get down. Listen, I don't care who you mean. If they take off running away because you got serious in conversation early on that it wasn't meant to be, yeah. especially when you're saved and you're praying for that person, that person is not going to run away from you. And no doubt, I mean, when Heather and I literally it's mind you again, this is within the two week time frame we're, we, we pull up to my parents' house. We're sitting in the driveway. Will you marry me? <laughs> <laughs> Will you marry me? She already knew I was going to ask her to marry her and all that. And I'm sitting in a car and, and I'm about to go into the house to, to tell my mom what's going on, you know? And I'm sitting in the car. I said, listen, um, you know, obviously we're going to be, I'm going to be asking you to marry me, but, but I want to clarify something first just to make sure. Cause you know, I, I got to know definitively number one, we have a Christian home. We have children. They go to a Christian school as long as we can afford it. Um, is either one of those a problem for you? You're laying, and, and, you're laying and, the groundwork. Right. I'm laying the groundwork. It's just two weeks in. It's some strong stuff. And we're talking about marriage and all the stuff. And she says, oh, yeah. She's like, no, I believe in God. And, you know, I was raised Catholic. I'm like, oh, Catholic. Well, I'll pray for you. That, at, least we got the, <laughs> <laughs> at least we got the building block. So you're going to go to church with me? Yes, absolutely. And, and, and that's it. We need to pray for things. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, okay, that's all I need to know. Because if she would have said, no, I don't believe in God and all that crap, that would have been it. I wouldn't have got out of the car to go talk to my mom or anything. Yeah. And I said, I, I've, I've, based on our conversations up to that point, I felt that that would be the answers I would get, but I just needed to hear it out of her mouth. Yeah. Now, boom, it's time to move. I get up out of the car and I said, all right, I'll be right back. <laughs> I walked into my parents' house <gasps> and I said, oh, mom, um, I've been thinking about asking Heather to marry me. What do you think? And you can imagine my poor mother. 18. I'm 18 and my poor mom. She's like, I, I what? Well, you just oh. met her. And then she goes, well, that's good. You know, I mean, it's good. You guys got plenty of time and to think about it and all that. And I went. Oh, we already talked. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like no, 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 mom. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it right now. She was like, what? She's like, well, I, 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 you, do, you, you don't even have a ring. I said, gee, you don't care about that stuff, mom. I'm like, that's irrelevant. She's well, I mean, literally, I couldn't believe it. My mom literally gave me one of my, my, I think it was one of my grandmother's rings. She's like, here, take this with you. Um, at least you have something. And I'm like, okay, fine, whatever, you know. That's cool. But it, it's weird to think that, you know, being approached, I mean, my mom didn't drop, you know, with a heart attack. But nonetheless, we go out, uh, we go we go back to uh, her house, and I got on my knee and I proposed and that was that was and it. then her dad walks in <laughs> <laughs> oh well the first time i met her father it was What's as a, as a fiance so i did uh, not meet her dad prior to being engaged to her um <laughs> literally she she we go to visit her dad <laughs> and we go in and she's like hi dad this is jonathan my this is my fiance right because it was only two weeks two and weeks, then all man. of a sudden it's just <laughs> <laughs> well he literally he literally walks into his bedroom Grabs his 38, walks back into the living room, sets it down on there. He's all like, so you're going to marry my daughter. I, whatever. You know, he's trying to be scary or spooky. And I just laughed. <laughs> I'm like, you better have a bigger one than that. Is it even loaded? You know I mean? Yeah. yeah like, and he I'm, set it down on the table. You better be able to get to yeah, it before yeah. I can. Well, yeah. And, 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 and dad will tell you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more sizable than he is too. So, you know, <laughs> setting it down wasn't a good idea, but. Nonetheless, I told me, I said, I grew up on a farm. You, you bet we have bigger guns than that all over the place. I'm like, you know, I'm not a fear, fear of guns anyway. But, you know, I, I always joke with Heather. I'm like, well, he really set the gun down there. And he whispered to me afterwards. He's like, if you bring her back, I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> <laughs> so it was the opposite, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, one, one, one thing I wouldn't mind talking about, and I really wish I had the verse, uh, but it does talk about a lot with uh, in Corinthians and Romans. 
um, about how a marriage isn't about just the two of you, but it's about how the two of you can bring you closer to God and to to praise Him and to bring Him up through that relationship and that marriage instead of just being focused on the two of you. And to just well, and be able to enjoy one of the experiences God meant for you to yes. enjoy on earth. Well, that's just it is is. From the time you get married, if you make God the focus, which is obviously what I did before I went in and even made the proposal. And trust me, every bone in my body wanted to marry her. But that would have been the deal breaker. And unfortunately, it's not the deal breaker for so many Christians, and it should be. Mm -hmm. So, yes, at that point, why? Because I knew how important it was to have a wife that would support you and help you grow in it and vice versa, that we could iron sharpen iron, become stronger in the Lord. And also because that is what holds you together really long term. If you don't have that spiritual bond with each other, I can tell you, I don't know how anybody outside of a Christian marriage can even make it. I really mm-hmm. don't. I really don't. It's, it's what amazing. what foundation do you have? <laughs> you don't. Behind. You have the world foundation in the world. There isn't one. Yeah. The world's foundation is literally built on a pile of sand. And every time the waves get rough, the foundation's gone and they move to the next. Build That's your it. temple on a strong foundation. And you can go back into the text and read about how. You have to build everything that you own and are on a strong foundation like so Peter. it does not get withered away. I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So now, go ahead. And I would like also to, so we had talked a little bit about, you know, spending time with your wife, treating your wife well, and Mason uh, spoke on that. And I can tell you, when Heather and I first got together, one of the first things I did, you know, as a husband was I need to lay some ground rules, not, not to trap her in a cage, but I mean rules for both of us that we both abide by. In order to protect our marriage. Now, you got to think about this. Your spouse is the most valuable asset ever in your life. You will never have anything more that you will invest time and money into than your than your wife. That being said, I thought to myself, if this is your most valuable asset, you do not put that in the hands of just anybody because you could lose it, right? If you had the world's most expensive diamond or whatever, it's $10 million dollars. Are you going to let that just be carried away with some I'm gonna friends to go out here and they're going to walk down, uh, you know, and go into to clubs and do whatever else away from you? No, you would actually walk wherever that diamond goes. You right. would want to protect it. That marriage to your wife is no different. So we set rules in the beginning was there's no guys night out and there's no girls night out. The bottom line is, is if their girls want to go out, this guy goes too, and vice versa. If the guys want to go out, my girl goes too. And if there's a problem with that, then I don't go. Mm-hmm. Flat out, I'd rather not go out anyways, because everywhere I go, I just see stupid people and it drives me nuts. But uh, the point is, is we kept our marriage protected because if we let those, you know, you could have strong castle walls. If one is only four foot tall, the enemy comes through the short wall. And so when, whenever people go out, I always tell my wife, like, you know, you don't really want me out with, with my friends. So that protection really set us apart. We, we, we maintain that. And I can tell you there were single girlfriends of hers, single friends of mine, who didn't respect that. They thought, Mm -hmm. oh, is she controlling you? And oh, is he controlling you? Who has the pants? Who's whipping you? All that stuff comes out. All that stuff comes out. And you know what the bottom line is, is they didn't have what I had and or they didn't have what she had. And quite frankly, the reason they're single. That's why they're single. And guess what? Most of them remain single most of their life or have already been divorced uh, multiple times. So when you look at that, you go, okay, they were never good to begin with. And so you got to cut out the people in your life that aren't going to fuel the growth, the spiritual growth in your marriage. On top of that, you got someone that's going to lead you off into the, into the wilderness, if you will, relationship wise, cut them out of your relationship. You will not regret it. Yep, exactly. Don't be unequally yoked. Get those people out of your life. Hang around with the couples that 
do like to talk about God and Bible study and things like that. It's great stuff. And your marriage will survive strongly. It will survive. There's going to be, there's going to be storms in your life. So build it strong when you're together in the beginning. And I tell you what, the rest of your marriage will be a wonderful life. We see that all around us. But now we've talked about... Yeah, I was going to say, we've, we've talked so we've much talked about marriage. A marriage, right? And we've talked about divorce and adultery. So now we got to talk about sex when you're not married. 